0: You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. We're going to have Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South joining us in a little bit, talk about Arkansas and the SEC and all the fun stuff going on there as well, but I did want to start off the podcast and just kind of reflecting on the uh, level of excitement that is still going for Razorback football and the fact that uh, there are some interesting pieces of things that are going on with, you know, meeting with the media, with players and coaches and all that fun stuff, too. And some of you have also voiced concerns about this. Upcoming game against Georgia Southern. You don't feel good about it. It's a trap game. And even Sam Pittman said in his SEC teleconference today that yesterday was not a good practice. He was not happy with it. It was not good. It's not where it needed to be. And it's just, it's just, I'm not saying that the people are going along with it like the sky is falling, but a lot of you are just already saying, I don't like any of this. This is bad. You know, what what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do about this? All that. Listen. This is an Arkansas football team that I don't think is going to forget where they came from. And what I mean by that is with certain teams, especially teams that have as much senior leadership as this team does and as many players that have been around the program as this team does, it's about knowing where you came from, where you're at, and where you're going. It may sound cliche, but it's true. And that kind of shapes exactly the type of success you're going to be or lack of success, depending on who you are, not only you as an individual, but also you as a team. And I think that the majority of these players who have been around on the team, am talking about the juniors and seniors, sometimes the super-duper seniors, they know where they came from. They know that they came from the darkest of darkest times. They came from a football program that was about as low and bad and pathetic as you would ever see in major college football. They were a part of that team. They were a part of that process. They were a part of the the nonsense that came along with it. They were part of it. And knowing all of that, these upperclassmen especially understand that you can't get complacent. You can't take anything for granted. Not every game is... Considered or at least an easy game in your mind is going to be an easy game, not an automatic W. Nothing like that. They realize that because of where they came from and where they were at. And there's never a game that's easy. And I think that with that mentality in mind, they're not going to let this Texas game, this Texas victory get to them. Because they know it can be gone in an instant. They know that they can think that if they're doing the right things and going about things the right way, that things can automatically change and it'll all be different from there. They also know where they're at right now. And where they're at is a part of a team that is 2-0 coming off of a huge victory against a major college football opponent at home in front of an atmosphere that no one has seen in nearly a decade. And they know they got something special. They know that right now in this moment, They have proven to the college football world that they are a team that is worthy of your respect. A team that is worthy of being talked about and being discussed and being praised and being considered a legitimate, competitive team in the SEC. They know that now. They're starting to see the reapings of their rewards. The hard work that they put in, which they saw a little bit last year with their three wins in SEC play, but they're starting to see that This isn't all just a mirage. This is real. The work they put in during practices is real. The coaching staff and the game plans they put together are real. These are all real things, and they understand that. And that's why they see the success that they're having right now. That's why they see how great everything's going right now and why things are going to continue to go well if they continue to put in the work of what they're feeling right now. Carrying over that momentum and being able to understand that where you're at right now is a great opportunity to not overlook, to not oversee, to not do anything like that, but to know that you have an opportunity in front of you. And that opportunity is exactly where they're trying to go, where this team is going. There are 10 regular season games left. You have eight SEC games left, two non-conference. You play in the SEC West. You're on the road to... Teams like Alabama, and LSU, and Ole Miss. Not to mention the fact that your Eastern opponent is Georgia on the road, who happens to be the number two team in the country right now. You're playing Texas A&M in two weeks, less than two weeks. A team that didn't look great this past week, but most people have considered to be a top ten team no matter what. That's what's in front of you. The question becomes, Arkansas, where do you want to go? Do you want this to be the it? End game, do you want this to be the best feeling you've had? The Texas game, do you want to look back on the 2021 season after it's all said and done say, man, that Texas game was pinnacle. That was the peak. Or do you want to continue on that feeling? Continue to be that program that wins SEC games. Continue to be a team that everyone looks about and says, I don't want to play them. I want nothing to do with them. Because I know what they're capable of. Don't let this game against Texas be the best feeling you have all year. It's a great feeling. But don't let it be the best. The best feeling needs to be you at the end of the season. Looking back upon the 2021 year. And saying man oh man did we accomplish great things. That's the best feeling you should have. Not now. But later. You got to get to that point. Know where you're going and know in the fact that that is not the end game. The end game is about how you look back on this season and if you accomplished all the great things you wanted to accomplish. We'll talk with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South here in just a second. But first, we're backing better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are getting back to another football season. And as always, bet online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action. This season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds and props and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for all things college football, NFL football, just football in general. If you head to the website and use your mobile device and sign up today to receive your hundred percent welcome bonus, that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on for football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
1: You are locked on Razorbacks Your daily Arkansas Razorbacks
2: podcast
0: Alright, we're going to be joined by Connor Rivera of Saturday on South here in just a second First, I got to tell you about Built Bar and their nine delicious flavors to choose from. Listen, it's healthy, it's convenient, it's great. They taste amazing. I eat them every single day right before work and even one before the show sometimes if I'm needing that extra boost, boom, I got it. They give it to me and I feel great. There's no crash. There's no weird feeling, especially when you go out to work out afterwards. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and they taste amazing. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order using promo code LOCKED15. For 15 percent off at builtbar.com right now let's go to the phone lines as we are joined by connor o'gara of saturday down south does a great job with them we're talking not only about arkansas but about the rest of the sec as well connor appreciate you joining us this afternoon man how you doing
1: yeah it's going really well not not as well as it is in your neck of the woods but nothing to complain about ready to watch about 100 hours more football this weekend
0: oh well, there's going to be plenty of it for sure and it's kind of interesting because the last time we got a chance to catch up with you was at sec media days and I start thinking about it just, you know, starting with that Arkansas and Texas game in the state of Arkansas right now. I mean, how are you feeling about them? Has, has your thing, or has your expectations suddenly changed or your feel about them changed? Or was it just a big win, but you need to see a lot more of them, especially once it comes into SEC play?
1: So I had Arkansas winning that game. And I, I, I was high on the hogs coming into the year. I think they're going to beat Texas A&M as well. I've been pretty – um, I, I would say correct um, on some of my, my preseason predictions, at least as related to Arkansas, not really much else. But it didn't really change my overall expectations because, look, I, I think we went into that game thinking the atmosphere is going to be nuts. This is the first true road game for this Texas regime. Hudson Card starting quarterback, he's going to have a, a very difficult task. And, and sure enough, against that experienced Arkansas defense, he struggled mightily. And so I looked at Arkansas coming into this year thinking, what are they going to be good at? Where, what's, where do the strengths lie? We know that they're going to get after you on defense. We know that they have all these veteran guys. They're going to be able to make open field tackles. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did against Texas. What else are they going to, be able to do? They're going to run the football. I didn't think they'd run the football the way they did against Texas, but they've run the football extremely well. I still have questions about them moving forward, about having that balance on offense. The passing game has not really looked particularly good. But you have to be encouraged by what identity Arkansas has established in these first two games. And turning to that identity when they were down 17-7 to against Rice in the middle of the third quarter, and then being able to rely on it for 60 minutes against Texas, I think it's a great place to start for this Arkansas team. So I guess my, my impression of them hasn't really changed that much, but I, I think it's more so been confirmed.
2: Well, Connor, you mentioned uh, having Arkansas beating Texas and Texas A&M. So going into the season, what kind of win total did you have for Arkansas?
1: So Arkansas had 7-5 in the regular season and 3-5 and five in SEC play. And I, I do think the SEC West is going to be a gauntlet. And, and I think that's the case for a lot of these programs. But not all 7-5 and five seasons are created equal. You know, those moments where you show, hey, we can beat a top 15 Texas team. Or, hey, if this team comes into our place with the wrong attitude, the wrong mindset, we can play with anybody. That's what Arkansas didn't have last year. That's what they haven't had really in the last five years. And I think that now establishing that early on in the season where you get this top 25 bus, it, it does matter. And it matters in recruiting. And when recruits can flip on Texas getting squashed like a bug like that on a Saturday night, you don't mean to think that, you know, like that doesn't matter? Like that that absolutely does, in my opinion. Uh, people say that rankings don't matter, aren't necessarily taking some of that stuff into account. I, I think that Arkansas is still in shape to have, you know, seven or eight win regular season and feel really good about year two of the Sam Pittman era. I'm not all of a sudden predicting a 10-win season or anything like that, but a 7-5 season that has wins like what we saw on Saturday night would be extremely encouraging.
0: So just looking at the SEC in general, obviously Arkansas has been a pleasant surprise, at least here in the Arkansas Razorback landscape, and and for some, maybe not for you, but for some it's been a surprise. But looking at just through that three, the first two weeks of SEC play, who are some other teams that have surprised you, maybe in good ways or maybe in bad ways?
1: Well, I think that Ole Miss is the team that I look at, and I'm really curious what their upside is because everybody asked the same question when it came to Ole Miss coming into this year. Can the defense just flirt with mediocrity? You don't have to be mediocre, but can you just flirt with mediocrity? And so far, so good. I don't know if you all watched that game against Louisville, but Malik Cunningham did not have a chance. They shut them out in the first half of that game. It really was over at halftime, and this is an Ole Miss defense that returned a lot of experience. They added the transfer Chance Campbell. They look really solid up front with the Kia Henry, and their, their secondaries improved as well. And if Ole Miss is all of a sudden going to be able to defend like that, what's the potential in the SEC? Because I came into the year thinking that they're like an eight and four team, and a defense can hold them back at times. I'm kind of now wondering if they're in best position to maybe take that next step and to be that number two team in the SEC West. I think between Arkansas, Old Miss, a and and even LSU. Let's wait and see on LSU. I haven't really liked what I've seen so far. They really haven't had much of a running game. But I, I look at Old Miss, I'm kind of wondering, man, maybe I was a little bit too low on them. The offense looks even better with Matt Corral, who, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in college football right now.
2: Out of those teams mentioned, uh, is Auburn better than we thought they were because you mentioned some of the teams that could be fighting for that, that number two position in the West – but we've seen Auburn look good in these first couple of games. Is, is it just the case of the opponents that they're playing, or are they actually better than we thought?
1: Well, Auburn has played two scrimmages, let's call it what it is. I mean, <laughs> to, to sit here and pretend like this has been actual SEC competition, that'd be, that'd be foolish. We're going to find out way more about Auburn in the first quarter of this game against Penn State than we have in the previous eight quarters of 2021. So, I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode with Auburn. I, yeah, I was looking at their first two games saying if they can't throw the football and if it looks like they have to rely entirely on Tank Bigsby to move the chains, then that's a bad sign for this team. But that, that wasn't the case. And to their credit, they did what one would hope to do against you know competition of that caliber, Alabama State, and Akron. So I look at this game against Penn State, and I say that that's the measure. Right? If Bo Nix is going to be able to shake these road woes that he's had throughout his career – we're going to see it on Saturday. And if this Mike Bobo offense is going to yield much better results than what Gus on ran for the last two years with Bo Nix, then, then we're going to find out. Because Penn State's legit. And that atmosphere, you talk about the atmosphere that you saw in Fayetteville this past Saturday night, the one in Happy Valley on Saturday night is going to be second to none as well. And I think that Auburn has a, a major uphill climb in that game.
2: So what do they have to do to uh, impress you to say that they are legit? Do they, do they have to go win the game, or could they – lose in a in a close game, close competitive game to say that yeah, they belong.
1: No, I, I think if they lose in a close competitive game, that'd be actually somewhat encouraging. And Penn State's offense isn't gonna light the world on fire, so they're not necessarily one of those teams you would expect to win like a forty two to nothing type of game. But I, I think that it's all about game script. If Penn State jumps on Auburn right away And if they're up by, like, 21 points at halftime, then Auburn kind of creeps in a little bit later on, garbage-time points here or there. Take that with a grain of salt. I want to see Auburn compete for 60 minutes. Compete for 60 minutes against a defense that is going to be one of the best in all of college football, maybe the best group of linebackers outside of the ones that are in Alabama, Georgia, that Penn State has. Let's see what they can do against a real-quality opponent, a real road venue, and then kind of determine how we feel about Auburn. But to me, yeah, a close loss would kind of, kind of show, look, maybe Auburn's going to be able to hang around and maybe they won't get gobbled out by the gauntlet that is the SEC West.
0: We'll continue our discussion with Connor O'Gara here in just a second. But, folks, it's college football time, and it doesn't get any better than this. But have you heard about Prize Picks? It's the daily fantasy made easy for college football. It's the leader in college sports daily fantasy, and they offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players that you may not even have heard of. And all your users – that want to decide to sign up for this and deposit and use your promo code locked on, you get 100% instant deposit and it'll match up to $100. Listen, use the award-winning app in both on the App Store and Google Play. This thing is awesome. It's crazy. It's fun. And if you're a college football fan, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy.
1: Locked on Razorbacks, your daily
0: Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Speaking with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South here on Out of Bounds, 103.7 The Buzz. Connor, I want to go back to Arkansas real quick because I I saw you tweeted this and I retweeted it, that uh, you said among FBS inside linebackers who have played 50-plus snaps, only one PFF grade of at least 75 in run defense, pass rush, and coverage is Grant Morgan for Arkansas. Now, that is a lot of stuff that I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm trusting you on these stats. Tell us what that means and why that's really good.
1: It means Grant Morgan is an exceptional football player. (laughs) That's what that means. It means that he is somebody who has done everything that Barry Odom has asked of him. And in the middle of that defense, if you're able to provide all those different things, if you're able to generate pressures, if you're able to make open field tackles, if you're able to break up passes, you're about as indispensable as it gets. You know, we get caught up in talking about, you know, the passing game and how how valuable this quarterback is versus that quarterback. How many teams right now wouldn't love having a Grant Morgan in the middle of their defense? I mean, that that guy has just done so much in the last two years, really. I guess year plus. And I know the targeting injection and on the opener kind of limited what he was able to do, but. Every time that guy's on the field, he, he makes his presence known. And, and I think there are very few players like that in all of college football. He's a little bit of a throwback guy in kind of the way that he approaches things and, and the variety of things that he does. Not just an edge rusher. He's not just a guy who's going to cover in space. He's not just an open field tackler. He does a little bit of everything. And Arkansas needs all of that as much as we talk about the experience they have on defense They need Grant Morgan to be the best version of himself, and so far in 2021, he's been just
0: that. You know, not to get mushy on the whole thing, but I think that everything you said, of course, is correct. But if you think about his story, I think is also why, especially people here in Arkansas, are such big fans of Grant Morgan because he's an Arkansas kid. He started on as a walk-on at Arkansas under Brett Bielema. Uh, Everyone kind of referred to him as Drew Morgan's younger brother because they remember what he did at wide receiver. But he goes on the defensive side builds himself up in the linebacker, goes through those Chad Morris years, gets into Sam. And, Mike, you just think about this journey he comes on where he started as a walk-on, and now he's arguably one of the best linebackers in all of college football. I don't know if it'll translate to the NFL, but it's incredible to see stories like this, and something that I think college football really embraces, guys like Grant Morgan, where, hey, you know, they may not be the most talented coming out of high school, but sometimes in the right situations and given the right opportunities, you can really make the most out of it.
1: I think in 20 years at Arkansas, no matter if Sam Pittman is still coaching or if he's given the reins to somebody else or whoever's coaching, they're going to be selling Graham Morgan in, in his story, like you mentioned, to go from the guy who's kind of an afterthought, you know, his brother. I still had a couple. I had somebody that tweeted at me, "Is that is that true? Morgan's brother? A guy who hasn't necessarily followed Arkansas you know, as closely in the last few years, but but used to live there." I'm like, yeah, that's, that's that's the same guy. So he still gets that every once in a while, but. I love the story. I love getting to talk to him, and I think that he—he's just rare in today's day and age in college football. And I, I think that those are the types of personalities that Arkansas is trying to build a foundation on. And not having someone like him, I think, is—you know—you you could look back, and, and if you didn't have someone like him, or if he did decide to go to the NFL, you'd kind of be wondering what is this defensive identity? Who's that real alpha? Grant Morgan is that guy? No question about it.
2: What do you like about what you've seen from Arkansas so far, and? In- Probably most of that would come from the Texas game. And then what do you think they need to improve upon?
1: Well, the area that they have to improve upon is the pass. KJ Jefferson has not been good enough as a passer yet. I'm kind of waiting to see a healthy version of the Traylon Burks. Still maybe haven't quite seen that. Don't necessarily like the downfield stuff we came into this year talking about. Are they going to be able to stretch the field without Mike Woods? I think that's still a major question that you would have. But I'll say this the ground game feels like it can flip a switch. And the way that they did that against Rice, I know it started off way too close for comfort and to, to have a deficit like that in the third quarter probably made a lot of Arkansas fans rethink all of the offseason buzz. But the way that they've been able to flip a switch and the variety of guys that they can do it with, you know, it's not just having one true back, it's not just having a trail on Smith, it's having a Dominique Johnson, it's having a rocket Sanders, it's having KJ Jefferson be able to scramble and make plays and, I think that having that multi prong attack in the backfield is so important for this team because they're not going to be world beaters still in the football. I mean, I think they kind of are what they are. There's only so much Kendall Brown going to be able to do, and they might get better, but they're still not going to be one of the best passing offenses in all college football. But can they establish that identity? Can they control time of possession? Can they do a little bit of what Texas A&M did last year? You know, like that, that's kind of the identity that maybe you're trying to establish where, You play smart football, you don't turn it over, you don't allow your quarterback to get hit. You run the football, and you're going to stay in a lot more games than you think. Even though we talk about these spread offenses so much and and how much you can stretch the field vertically, if you can do what Arkansas is doing, there's, there's a lot to be said, and you're going to be able to stay in and win a lot of games doing that.
0: Now, Connor, I know that we talk mostly about the SEC with you whenever you come on, but Uh, It is kind of fascinating. Something we dove into was the fact that Clay Helton was fired from USC after only two games this season, and it wasn't necessarily surprising because of how poor that they've been, especially over the past couple years. But USC now is open, and it seems like everyone understands how good of a job it is, but they really haven't been able to recapture some of the magic that Pete Carroll had when he was there. When you're looking at USC, what do they do? Who do they hire? Do they go NFL? Do they try to go after someone like James Franklin up at Penn State who we talked about? I mean, how good of a job is USC still, and who do you think that they would should go after or some, at least some candidates in that mix? They
1: should go after Barry Odom. No, I'm not <laughs> Don't do that. I, no, he's I, off limits. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think Barry Odom is going to necessarily be their target, kind of exactly what they're going for. Um, I, I think that James Franklin is, is interesting to a certain extent. I don't think he's leaving Penn State. I think that's his destination job. And I think he continues to use that as a as a reason to get a raise. The guys that I think have a real chance to get that job, besides you know the obvious candidate of Urban Meyer, I actually don't. No, I think that I, I don't think Urban Meyer is taking the SEC job. I truly believe that his days as a big time college football head coach are done. I don't think he needs that chapter of his life anymore. I think that's gone. Luke Fickle wouldn't necessarily surprise me, although the fact that Cincinnati's going to the Big 12, maybe that kind of adds some intrigue. They're able to kind of say, look, if you stay here, we're going to be able to make your compensation better moving forward. But how about Mario Cristobal at Oregon and P.J. Fleck in Minnesota? P.J. Fleck would fit that personality to a T. Everything that people are saying about James Franklin and the ability to build things up at USD and kind of having that, that natural ability to sell the way that he did Bandy, the way that he did the Penn State – P.J. Fleck has that in space, and I, I don't doubt that he would fit in there. Mario Cristobal is one that I think a lot of people would hear and say, well, wait, why would he ever really work? He had everything you could ever want there. The NIL era, it's Nike, it's still Knight. Nice. He's the fourth highest paid coach in the Pac-12, and that was after getting a raise in December. There are a lot of opportunities for for advancement for him, and I think that as much as we talk about you know, Oregon is kind of a cool place to be, USC is different, man. It just is. And having that recruiting base in your backyard with those facilities, they would spend a ton of money to go after somebody like him. Mario Cristobal is the one that I'm kind of you know taking a flyer on at this stage of the game.
2: Do you actually think he would make that move within conference, though, Mario Cristobal, as opposed to maybe holding out and going home to Miami? Because that's one that's always been mentioned. If he left Oregon, it would probably be Miami if it's not for one of the bigger jobs out there, like Alabama, if that happened to open up. but. Do you think he would actually do it in conference because you would think that Oregon, if they know that he's on USC's radar, with him being the fourth highest paid coach in the conference, they're going to do what it takes to keep him there?
1: Possibly, but, you know, if you see your limitations, that's the thing. Oregon has really stepped up its recruiting, and I know they had a lull post-Chip Kelly in that department, but... If you can get to a place like USC, or if there's any sort of friction there, which I'm not saying that there is or anything like that, USC is a different job. It, it just is. And I still think it's one of the best jobs in off-college football. I don't know if it's a really good thing where you rank jobs based on prestige, but, I mean, the facilities in the NIL era, especially being in L.A., I think that there's a lot of appeal there to do something like that. And who knows? You know, curiosity for these college coaches, can be a funny thing, and if you feel like you've maxed out your potential at Oregon, let's not forget that Mario Cristobal had a top five quarterback in in Justin Herbert, and you know they they got to a Rose Bowl, which is all well and good. But if you kind of see your potential, you're like, man, I feel like we can win a national championship here, and I, I want to win a national championship, and he feels like you can do that at USC. Then, then maybe that's the move he would consider.
0: All right, I gotta ask you this before we let you get out of here, Connor, just doing a little what if scenario you're talking about college football jobs, which are the best, which are all that and all that. So I'm gonna put you in this situation, okay? All of college football has a vacancy as a coach. And no matter what, you're gonna be able to pick which school you go to and you're gonna get paid the same amount of money. That's not the issue. What are your top five college football jobs that you're you're selecting that if you are if it's all open, which are the five that you're gonna be choosing if you're a coach and you're gonna get paid the same?
1: Oh gosh. That's really tough. I'd probably go Georgia number one. I'd probably I'd probably want to go to a place like that with the recruiting base. I always just think the water is different in Georgia and they can produce athletes that are just at a, a different sort of level. So I'd probably go with Georgia one. I'd probably go I wouldn't want to replace Nick Saban in Alabama. that just that's not something I would I would ever sign up for. I would probably go with Maybe, maybe USC number two, maybe, maybe USC number two, Ohio State three, Florida four, LSU five. Hmm. Something something to that extent. But I, I just would look at the – the co- I would want to replace things because that's just impossible. It, it is absolutely impossible. And I, I think that whoever has to do that one day, we're going to be like, oh, is Alabama as good of a job as we thought? And we're going to do the thing where we compare – you know, in the way that like Nebraska is trying to live up to the Tom Osborne standard, we're going to do the same thing with saving it
0: out now. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening either. Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. Have a great week, and Looking forward to catching up with you, all right?
1: Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys.
0: Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.
1: You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.